you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 5th of January. I need a therapy session and a big picture look at the Utah Jazz to get out of the weeds. Will you help me? Plus, we'll pack Friday around the league and take your pack questions. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to have you with me. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you experts, analysis, expertise, analysis, insight, Geeky numbers definitely today, and a look behind the curtains you might not get otherwise. All right, um, a bunch of stuff for today. I apologize for those of you I'm recording a little later, a few reasons. Um, I'm trying to get sleep early in the trip. Two, I did my morning coffee with Igor. And then three, my daughter is ski racing today, and I'm not capable of not watching live timing. And actually, since you spend this much amount of time with me, you'd get a chuckle. I actually, like can sit there and like look i know all the kids so it's like all right she should be able to do this or that and she had a good run so uh i was watching that and then she's a first year u14 so then i'm wondering like oh how'd she rank compared to the other first year u14s and i keep all this stuff to myself because it doesn't do her any good to know it but uh it's still just who i am so if you wonder yes i'm like that all the time uh And it, it, it might not be good. All right, we got a bunch of great pack questions. For those people who don't know what pack is, it's points above average created. It's a proprietary offensive metric for this show uh, that that I've built. And we'll look at, uh, coming up, we'll look at uh, the best pack players, worst pack players, last 10 days, and then your questions. Some of the questions are great, a lot of OKC Westbrook stuff, some Hayward Donovan stuff, uh, the all-pack NBA team, the Eastern and Conference, Western Conference All-Stars. Uh, And some things like that. Uh, I want to give you an interesting note on something that I found today in the Chicago Sun-Times and then have confirmed it since that I do think is interesting. And that is that Nikola Miritich of the Chicago Bulls has a no-trade clause in his deal. So he could actually choose uh, very much where he wants to go. I, I only bring this up because I don't know anything more than that. I just learned, I just realized this this morning. And, and the background on that, by the way, is he signed a one plus one deal. And when you sign a one plus one deal, that's actually what you, what happens is that you, uh, it, exactly that is it's, it's not that he negotiated, it's set by the league rules. What's relevant to that is I would assume that, th- that the Utah Jazz would be a place he wants to play. And what I mean by that is he wants to play. How many places in the NBA can he go and be a starting power forward? Right? So that's, you know, that's that's what the question would be. You know, it's not going to be in Boston. It's not going to be in Toronto. It's not going to be in Cleveland, Washington. I doubt it. Um I doubt it. Morris is their starting power forward. I, I, I doubt it. It's not in Milwaukee. Um, Detroit's using Tobias Harris there. Miami's pretty spent. Indiana is playing around with Thaddeus Young, so maybe. Philadelphia, they're having a hard time getting Sarge on the floor. They've already made their move. New York, no. Um, Charlotte, they already got Kaminsky. 
Um, he's in Chicago. Orlando's got Aaron Gordon. Atlanta would probably take anyone. The Warriors, no. Houston, no. San Antonio, no. They've got Aldridge and Gasol. Minnesota, no. Thunder, no. They got Carmelo. Denver, no. Portland, maybe. Right? Unless I'm forgetting somebody. They're kind of a mismatch of power forward. New Orleans, no. Clippers, no. Utah, yes. Phoenix, got a lot of young kids there already. Dallas, Harrison Barnes is really their four, so no. Sacramento, who knows what they're doing. Memphis, kind of who knows. And the Lakers, probably not with Ingram and Kuzma. So there's just not that many teams that if I'm Miritich that I'm willing to go to. Um, Now, there's a little bit of a fine that we're not going to trade you. But I don't know. I thought that was a pretty interesting revelation that he has a no trade clause. So let's go with it. All right, here's the therapy I need. I need your help. I feel like I was going to say we, and then that implies you, because we is such a BS phrase. So I feel like I've gotten too into the weeds day in and day out, and December kind of got us there, and I thought there was something productive today to backing up a step. And so the step back that I that I'm taking here is the first is kind of the reality of the season. And that is that if you lose an all-star stud in the off season, you struggle the next year, like Toronto, Chris Bosh, Cleveland, LeBron, like run through it, right? Portland lost LaMarcus and didn't struggle as much. That, that would probably be, um, but LaMarcus is a, a weird dude. So you lose. Now, I got what happened. Our pride kicked in, and we wanted to say we're going to be fine and stick the middle finger in the air to Gordon. Uh, And he certainly has earned that since with his just terrible departure and his lack of appreciation that anything happened in Utah. So I got it, and we want to stick it to him. Now, that does not necessarily mean that that's accurate. It just means that's what we want to do. Part two of it, it, all right, so that's the reality of the season. It's a pivot year of kind of, we're going to try to battle for the 8th playoff spot, 7th playoff spot, 6th, whatever we can get. But that's going to be hard. And I feel like I've lost that with like this psycho depth analysis of every player recently. Um, the we're, We've had volatile performances. That is probably not surprising. You have... Donovan Mitchell, who's a young stud who's just clearly separated himself from everyone, and it's just awesome as your lead dog and scorer, and he's a rookie, right? He's doing this for the 38th time tonight, uh, maybe 37th for him. Uh, you have Rodney Hood, who's learning how to be a primary scorer and doing a lot of things great. His off-the-bounce three is great. He's playing full speed off the dribble much more. He's taking a lot of shots. I mean, frankly, that's what they want. They want him to take a lot of shots and learn how to do it. Some nights it doesn't work out very well. So that leads to a volatile performance, and we have a very limited margin of error on a night-to-night basis with where we are right now. So I think that there's a level where I have failed you or failed myself kind of in our 
day-to-day analysis. The other thing is our team's built on Rudy's missed 20 of the last whatever games, right? I mean, that's... It doesn't mean, like, I was on with DJ and PK today, and they're like, this is a really vital week for the, you know, critical road trip for the Jazz, and I think that's probably true. Like, if we go drop all four games of the road trip, I think that that you might even pivot a step further away from where you are right now into a little bit of a, of a different direction. But, you know, if you told me that Rudy was going to miss 20 out of 25 games, which is what it's been, um, I don't think I would have thought we were going to do very well. And we haven't, frankly. Um, but that's, that's the, you know, we're playing our 38th game of the year last year. Rudy has played, came back on a minute restriction, never played over 30 minutes in any of those. But fought, played five games. So, you know, since the twelfth game of the year, we've been without Rudy for all but five games. Now, we weren't great with Rudy this year. That's there's no hiding that. That doesn't mean we weren't couldn't be or wouldn't be. But the defense is still pretty elite. We we need to figure out offensively who we're going to be. That's the reality of the season. So there are still a lot of really awesome things taking place, namely Donovan. Like, that's incredible. We shouldn't – that should be the overriding conversation piece at all times on this team is that this kid has just been that good and that great great so far. All right, we were just interrupted by my daughter calling me, uh, upset about her performance. So I lied to you to open the show because then I used all the geeky numbers that I had to show her that she actually skied really, really well and did very, very well. So I lied to you to open the show when I said I never share those things. I don't usually, unless I guess in this case she called, no, I didn't do very well. She wasn't like that. But I was like, no, you did great. You're fine. So anyway, uh, back to Donovan. I, You know, so the the big pictures. So yes, I just took a phone call in the middle of the show. You didn't. You didn't get all that. I, I just there's, you know, the truth is that without Rudy, with Rudy, we were kind of a mid level hopeful playoff team. Without Rudy, we're probably we've kind of the truth has been shown to where we are at times. Uh, it's pretty fortunate we've had Derek there. He's been great at as you know if he. If he's your backup center, he's by far the best backup center in the NBA. He's a starting center for somebody else. Uh, and I just I just kind of feel like we have to take a step back and say, okay, wait a sec, we still have Rudy. At least I do. Okay, so not we. I need to take a step back. And maybe this is all my own personal problem. It's my therapy session, so thank you. That All right, so we have Rudy. We have discovered we got Donovan. That's incredible. Like, that's incredible, game-changing incredible. We have an elite-level head coach. We have a front office that's put us in a fabulous situation with uh, the flexibility that they've signed players to. We have continually had players improve. Rodney's off-the-bounce three. Joe Ingles off-the-bounce three. Uh, Tabo and Jonas are having career years continually under our system and our coaching staff and our front office in what they've built. And the organization players are having their best years in Utah. So if the day-to-day quest to try to make the playoffs without our best player gets a little overwhelming and you start to pick apart guys and analyze them and, oh, man, we're screwed. And, and I think that, at least for me, there's a real value to understanding, like, wait a sec. This was going to be a tough year. Like, that July 4th blow is real. We can't – I mean, it's over. We can't just sit around and complain about it. We can get bitter and – um, you know, I got a million things I could be critical about how he dealt with the press conference in Boston and have just decided that it doesn't do me any good to 
to just pound him so we'll let it go. Um, so we move forward, understanding it's going to be a tough year. Then you're losing your center 20 out of 25 games. Gosh, like, so I, I just, at least from my therapy session, need to get out of the weeds for a day and say, wait a sec, there's still a bunch of great things going on here. You've got an elite-level head coach with an incredible staff. You've got a front office that is so bright, so well put together, great depth, analyzing the situation. You have a very interesting trade deadline coming up. I don't know what you know whether that means you consummate a bunch of deals or not, because that's. but you've got a really interesting trade deadline coming up here. You've got players continually improving. You've got amazing facilities, and you've got two guys that are studs in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And now that doesn't mean I don't want you to watch tonight and hope that we're going to win, and when somebody doesn't rotate, throw some at the television, and when Tabo misses a third straight three, you get pissed at Tabo and, you know, wonder why Tabo's not playing tonight or this or that. Like, I, I, I think that's great. And uh, I not only think it's great, I think it's necessary probably more for you than it is for me. So I needed you to hear out my therapy session today. You can go back to being a nut. I can't. Uh, So I wanted to take a second and just kind of big picture, right? I mean, and look at where we are and who our guys are. And, you know, and I I don't want to, you know, the Exum bad break and some of those kind of things are are not helpful, but it wasn't going to go perfectly. So I'm not trying to use excuses and that – Losing your primary guy is is awfully hard. Uh, but anyway, that, that's I don't know. Did that make any sense? Do I need a real shrink? Help me out. Tell me if that made any sense. Or did I just waste your? T- did I just become that friend? Did I just become that friend that sits there and tells you all about his problems that don't relate to you at all? And you're like, at the end of the day, you're like, I don't think I need to see him anymore. All right, so please come back. Don't 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 just leave me, please. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Guess what? The Murdochs are partying like it's 1.99. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they made me read last time. I was, like, so bitter about that. It just That and the, um, the, the fact that our production staff speeds up my voice on every single ad I do, so I sound like a chipmunk already, and then now I sound like a chipmunk on helium. I'm pretty pleased with that uh, every time I listen to 1280 The Zone in 97.5. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that out loud, but I just did. And then I sounded like a chipmunk on helium when I did. All right, so anyway, over at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, the Hyundai brand has the 100,000-mile uh, Murdoch uh, Hyundai Assurance, and you've got the Hyundai or the Murdoch No Regrets, which is just a cool thing. It's guaranteed uh, that you're no regrets experience. They're going to do everything they can to control uh, what they can. That means your five day price match guarantee, uh, your or your price match guarantee, your five day return policy. You've got your car washes for life, all of it. And I'm going to tell you the Murdoch Santa, the Hyundai, the Murdoch Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa. This ad is just I'm just. I've lost it because I started talking about myself as a chipmunk on helium. The Hyundai Santa Fe that I was driving is just a wonderful, wonderful car. Check it out. I think you'd be really impressed by what's going on with the Hyundai brand. And as I just said, partnering with Golden West Credit Union, it's 1.99%. Uh, on their sales right now, uh, on all of their uh, financing, 1.99%. All right, go over to Murdoch Hyundai. Tell them that my reads suck today and that you're bailing me out 
of it by going over there. Uh, check out the, the Hyundai Santa Fe, the Elantra, and let me get an update on our Ionic. How many Ionics are left? Five? No Ionics sold in the last day. What? We need to sell the Ionics. If you're gonna get a, if you're going to get a hybrid, check out the Ionic. Don't go just automatically go buy a Prius. Check it out. 4646 South State Street in, uh, Murray. Oh boy, do I, did that suck. <laughs> the, the pack Friday time now. Woo, I'm a mess. Let's go to the top 10 offensive players of the NBA season, and then we'll run through the Jazz um, as well. So Steph Curry is now the number one offensive player in the league. LeBron has come back down a little bit. Steph's pack is 4.4. That means that in the 20 scoring opportunities that Steph uses on a given night, he's 4.4 points better than if an average player in the league used him. The... This, by the way, does not include last night's action. Now that I think about it, because I ran this yesterday. Uh, LeBron is number two, tied with James Harden. Anthony Davis is four. Giannis Adetokounmpo, five. Kevin Durant, six. Clint Capella, seven. Carl Anthony Towns is eight. Nikolai Miritich, who we talked about earlier, is nine. Kevin Love is ten. Steven Adams, twelve. Uh... DeAndre Jordan is 13, Jason Tatum 14, Kyrie Irving 15, Victor Oladipo 16, Dwayne Dedman 17, Lou Williams 18, Isaiah Thomas in one game is up there, Ennis Cantor each one more. All right, so I got asked in our questions, what would be the Eastern Conference and Western Conference all-star pack players um, or all-NBA? So let's understand that Pack is solely a offensive stat. But if we were to put this together and have a little fun with this, if we just formed our all-star team over the uh, Steph Curry, your guards would be Steph Curry uh, and LeBron, obviously, on the east. James Harden and Steph Curry are your starting guards on the west. Anthony Davis... Is a center? I don't know. I guess you have to. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and then Clint Capella would be your starting center in the West. Followed tightly by Carl Anthony Towns. So, I mean, if you think about it, though, if it goes Curry, Harden, Davis, Durant, Towns, nobody would be surprised by it. Probably need to recheck Capella a little bit. Um, over in the West, in the East, they are just totally lacking of guards. Um, in fact, it's if you the five best Eastern Conference pack players are LeBron, Giannis, Miritich, Kevin Love, who I guess is a center at this point, and Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum would be an all-star. Kyrie Irving is the best Eastern Conference guard followed by Oladipo. So their starting five would be Kyrie Irving, Victor Oladipo, LeBron, Giannis, and Kevin Love. Your surprise members of the All-Star team with Dwayne Dedman would be the backup center behind Kevin Love. Lou Williams would be the next guard on the, on the uh, Western Conference team. 
Capella, Towns, and Jordan are your centers. Steven Adams would probably deserve to go. Ennis Cantor would be an Eastern Conference All-Star. Etuan Moore would be a surprising guard All-Star for offensive influence, a 1.6 pack. Clay Thompson would then make the team as well. So your guards are Curry, Harden, Thompson, Williams, and Moore. Kyle Korver would sneak into the Eastern Conference guard line as a surprise. By the way, Rudy Gobert would be next. DeMarcus Cousins would be next. But um, the Davis Durant Cousins, I guess you'd play Cousins as a forward. Washington's Mike Scott, the Eastern Conference, would just have weird players on it. Which tells you a little bit. And if you put Nikolai Jokic as a forward instead of a center, even though he's a center, just to make him on the all-star team. So the West team would be filled with Curry, Harden, Lou Williams, Etuan Moore, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins, Nikolai Jokic, Clint Capella, Towns, and Jordan. The Eastern Conference all-star team would be Kyrie Irving, Victor Oladipo, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Nikolai Mirotic, Jason Tatum, Mike Scott, Kevin Love, Dwayne Dedman, and Ennis Cantor. Aaron Gordon right outside the mix. Kelly Olynyk actually right outside the mix. Loved that question. The worst offensive players in the NBA this year, the 10 worst. Lonzo Ball still is the worst. Dennis Smith, rookies next. Danilo Gallinari, third worst. Marcus Smart, another rookie, and Josh Jackson. Russell Westbrook still back there, but we'll talk more about Russell as it goes. De'Aaron Fox, I mean, really incredible. What? How? This gives you a perspective on how great Donovan's been, right? Lonzo Ball, Dennis Smith, Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox. You throw rookies out there, they struggle. Chris Dunn is a minus two point one for all the talk of Chris Dunn in Chicago getting better. Maybe not. Dion Waiters, Yusuf Nurkic. It's a big story in Portland that he has just not been very good this year. Andrew Wiggins, minus 1.8 pack. He just sits there for us all the time. Darrell Arthur in Denver doesn't play much. Milos Teodosic is now in there as a minus 1.7. John Wall, a minus 1.6. I think John Wall's got to be reevaluated a little bit. His lack of offensive skills are, are significant. Let's go to the Utah Jazz for the season, and then we'll do last 10 games and the Jazz, and then we'll get to your questions. The last 10, the last 10 games, or no, this is just the season. Rudy Gobert's your best at 1.5. Actually, uh, Naz Long, Mitro Long is your best <laughs> with his 1.3. Uh, Rudy Gobert's 1.5, Derek Favors, 0.8, Joe Ingles, 0.7, Jonas Derebko, 0.5, Tabo, 0.4, Howell Neto's even, Epe Udo's even. That's pretty cool. Donovan's still negative, but he hasn't been recently. Royce O'Neal's a minus 0.3, and Alec Burks is a minus 0.3. So both those guys, Alec's in a terrible slump right now, so that's really exciting to have Alec there. Rodney's at a minus 0.7, Joe Johnson minus 0.1, and Ricky Rubio minus 1.2. And as I've said before, my goal is always can you get all of your players to be in the uh, positive. Over the last 10 games in the NBA, the, Steph Curry hasn't played enough. The number one offensive player is Victor Oladipo. Then James Harden, then DeMar DeRozan. Boy, has he been great. Then Clint Capella, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Powell in Dallas, Reggie Bullock in Detroit, 
Paul George is on fire in Oklahoma City, which is part of the reason why they're winning. Jimmy Butler, Drew Holiday in New Orleans, Lou Williams, Etwan Moore. New Orleans' offense is really good. Mike Scott, Giannis Adetokounmpo, and Josh Richardson, who we'll see on this trip, and Anthony Davis. New Orleans has four guys in the top 12 of pack offensively recently. I mean, they have, they're on fire. Gary Harris, who we'll see tonight, has been really, really good recently. His two-point shooting is, is great. Bottom 10 offensive players over the last 10 games. Uh, and this is nice because you won't see Lon- my, I, I, you know, Lonzo was hurt, but you won't see him. He actually has had a nice revival. The worst offensive player in the NBA over the last 10 games is Chris Stapps Przingis. Pretty interesting. Huge usage rate, too. Avery Bradley, Goran Dragic struggling. Jonathan Isaac, rookie in Orlando. Jordan Clarkson, for all the talk of his great isolation plays, now suddenly off. C.J. McCollum, way off. He stopped shooting threes in Portland. Mo Spates, minus 3.1. Reggie Jackson's hurt. Brandon Ingram, struggling in L.A., not shooting threes at all, and only 10% from threes, which makes him a little worrisome. Contavious call Ish Smith, Contavious Caldwell Pope, John Wall, minus 2.6. Tyler Ulis, minus 2.6. Will Barton struggling, who we'll see tonight. Andre Gudala is looking old in. And Kemba Walker we'll see on this trip along with Andrew Wiggins. So those are the bottom pack players in the NBA. Let's look at the Utah Jazz over the last 10. Then we'll take your questions. Well, we'll slow the flow. And then we'll take your questions. All right, last 10 games for your Utah Jazz. This is where you want it. Donovan's your best at 1.5. It's pretty incredible. 1.5 for a rookie, right up there with Jason Tatum. Kid should win rookie of the year at this point. Derek Favors, 0.8. Royce O'Neal, 0.4. That's exciting. So Royce O'Neal in his last 10 games is positive. Jonas Drebko, 0.3. Udo, 0.1. Ingles, 0.1. Joe Johnson, minus 0.9, but coming around. Rudy hasn't played. Tabo's a minus 1.3. His three-point shooting's off a little bit in the last 10. Alec Burks is a minus 1.7. Struggling. 30% for the field, 21% from three. Rodney Hood is a minus 2.1 in his last 10. And so is Ricky Rubio. All right, that's not great, right? A.B., Rodney, and Ricky are primary guys there. All in a little bit of a scuffle. With Tabo in one as well, Joe Johnson coming back might start to explain some things a little bit. So that's a tough little little find there. Uh, the the I, I got the greatest tweet the other day. The um the tweet the tweet was. I don't even live in Utah, and every time I take a, a shower, I think to myself, oh, I should slow the flow. I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that you care enough about just anywhere uh, that you want to slow the flow. Well, Utah's weather is uh, pretty streaky. Some years splash, other years very little, and thus we need to be very serious about our water usage. So let's... Go to slowtheflow.org and find out what we can do to conserve water at home. Shortening shower time. Numbers don't lie. If you showered just one minute less every day, you'd save 1,875 gallons of water a year. 1,875 gallons of water every year if you took one minute less of a shower. If you switch to an ultra 
low-flow shower head, you'd save 2.5 gallons every minute you shower. Big fan of Utah. We love art. We love who we are, where we are. So, let's save our state. Let's save the flow. Let's become water efficiency rating all-stars. Slowtheflow.org is the place. Slow the flow. Save H2O. All right, let's go to your questions. Uh, They were good. Nikolai Miritich was the first question asked. Well, that answers that question, didn't it? Top 10 in the NBA with a new trade clause. Anybody know him? Anybody get him to just tell he only wants to come to Utah? Um, they his organ his people are still demanding a trade. He's having a great year. He is having, though, in fairness, he is having a year that does not match what he had in years past. So you have to, you know, this did he find himself? Is he just so mad he's playing? Like, um, he's become the player everybody thought he was going to be. Last year, Miritich was a negative point one pack. He shot thirty forty nine percent of his shots in three and only hit thirty four percent. Um, you you love that 49% of his shots from three as a stretch. I mean, that really would open up the floor. The year prior for Miritich, he was a .5 pack where he shot 39% from three on 44% of his shots. <clears throat> That's probably the more realistic player. That's a pretty good player, by the way. Right? He's got a non-guaranteed contract for next year. All right, somebody wanted to know about Russell Westbrook, and this is a great question because we keep talking about how Russell is in the bottom grouping. But let's look at, and another person wanted to look at OKC in the top last 10 games. So we mentioned that Paul George is in the top of the list. What's really happened in Oklahoma City is that Russell's Russell's playing better. Russell is a 2.0 pack over the last 10 games. For the season, he's a minus 2.2 pack. That's the equivalent of adding Steph Curry to your roster. Like, giving Steph Curry a bunch of possessions. So, Russell has done what the equivalent of Steph Curry is. That's why they're playing so much better. Paul George has done, frankly, the same thing. He's become, he's just terrific right now. And Carmelo is still Carmelo. Carmelo's a minus .3. But they, if you look at their, Russell's gone back to being Russell. He's using 25 scoring opportunities a night. He's dominating. It's his show. He's the, he's the man They've got Paul George back at 16 scoring opportunities tonight playing off Russ. They're not sharing the way they were earlier. And then Carmelo's down to 15 scoring opportunities tonight. That's the answer for them. They, they, have, they have figured out how to play together, and what they have figured out is to let Russ be Russ. Now, Russ is not going to be – Russ has stopped taking threes. He's 9.1% of his shots are threes. He's stopped just being a spot-out outside player. He's just dominating the game. And he's been great, shooting unnaturally great. His mid-range shooting in the last 10 games is not sustainable. But this is what's got Oklahoma City going. Is they're, they're no longer sharing equally, deferring. They got back to letting Russ be Russ, which is awesome. Uh, for the season, you know, Paul George is 18 shots a game. Or scoring opportunities, Carmelo is 17. This includes the last 10, so that's two-thirds. I have to go back and look at the... But, you know, so Paul George is down two or three. Carmelo's down two or three. They're all going to Russ, and they're living off Russ. 
The other thing is they reintegrated Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams has been very, very good over the last 10 games. He's been great for the season, and they've got him – they've they figured out how to get him – he's not getting any more possessions, but they've got him reengaged and going. So great questions there. Uh, somebody wanted to know about Stanley Johnson in Detroit. Detroit's interesting. Reggie Jackson's out. Andre Drummond's starting to miss some games. They're gone from being an elite-level team to suddenly a playoff team. Uh, and Stanley Johnson is a negative 1.3 pack player. He's not a good shooter, doesn't go to the line a lot. Seri- I, I had serious questions uh, about him coming into the draft. And those, uh, because he was just bigger and stronger and more athletic than every other player in the college game. And so it was hard for me to try to figure out how that was going to necessarily translate ricky rubio over the years was the next question so let's go back to the 11 12 season ricky was minus 1.4 do you remember what i said ricky was this year uh go the next year he was a minus 1.2 in 13 14 season ricky was a minus one in the 14-15 season, so that's all pretty similar year in and year out. You know what you're not getting from him and compared to what you do get, the passion, the energy, the um, the playmaking. Uh, the next year, Ricky had a really 14-15 was his worst year. He went to minus 1.9. He then, over the last, started going to line more. And so in his last year before... Uh, he then became a minus 1.2 play, pack player in the 15-16 season. Huge jump because he went to the line for f- uh, about 15% of his possessions. In the 16-17 season last year, same thing was true. Rubio was a minus 0.3 pack player going to the line 13% of his possessions. This year he has slipped back to that minus 1.2 uh, level where he was, and he's actually, uh, oops, I looked up Minnesota instead of Utah. Uh, and, and I, you know, I think you have to understand that every other team Ricky's been on is, you know, not as egalitarian as we are, not moved the ball quite the same way. Ricky's at a minus 1.2 pack. His free throws are at 9%. Ricky's not a good shooter. And so it's a different game for him right now uh, when he's talking about, when he's trying to play, off the ball, moving the ball. We want all everyone to touch. He has not been on teams like that. Somebody else pointed out to me an interesting note on Ricky that all of his bigs he's played with have been pop bigs. Kevin Love, Carl Anthony Towns, other than Petrovic. Petrovic. And so he may be a better pop throwing point guard than a rim throwing point guard. And I had never even thought of that there was a difference between those two things. That's why you hang out with really smart people. Devin Booker was asked about, you know what? I watched Devin Booker for the other night, and I've always been kind of lukewarm on Devin Booker. I watched Devin Booker the other night, and I am changing my opinion on Devin Booker. I'm becoming much more of a Devin Booker fan. Um, I thought he was putting up pretty empty numbers on not very good team and wasn't really a primary guy, was really skilled and was a little uncertain of whether he'd ever understand that maybe he's a second or third guy, all that kind of stuff. Last year, Devin Booker was a minus one pack player. Guess what? 
I watched him this year. He looks totally different as a player, so I went and looked up his pack. He's a positive .8. It's a huge change of who he is as a player. I thought that was really interesting. Okay, so last 10 games, Donovan final one here. Donovan Mitchell has been really, really super at 1.5. This is actually with him shooting 30% from three. He's not been, he's slowed down a little bit. He's not shooting the off the bounce three above the break very well. For the season, he's a negative. Somebody wanted to know how does this compare to Gordon? So if we walk through Gordon through the years, Gordon went to the free throw line a lot, which Don was doing. So Gordon in the 11 12 season was a .6 pack player. That is Gordon's, let me go check. Gordon was drafted, I think that's Gordon's second year. Is that right? I think I was, that was Gordon's second year. So that's right. So in Gordon, and then it's in his fourth year where we turn the offense over to him. In his fifth and sixth year where he clicks in, and his seventh year where he's an all-star. So if we walk through Gordon's pack through the years, 12-13, so this is his third year in the league. He's still playing with all those other guys. He's not, a, I mean, what we're asking Donovan to do is really not comparable. Gordon was a .7 pack player. In the 13-14 season, he still is not the primary guy. It's next year. And he uh, was a negative .6 pack player. So he, he took a really significant step back in the 13-14 season. He went up to 36 minutes. He shot shot poorly, um, 41% from the field, 30% from three. That, was, that year was a, real, it was a struggle for him. The next year, in 14-15, you now begin to get his growth. So his growth cycle is very different than, I think, what we're seeing out of Donovan. Um, the next year, Gordon, where? Oh, my gosh, look at this name. Benjamin. Gordon went back up to a 1.1 pack. So now he's, he's really good. 15, but he's not great. Like, that's anything over two is elite. If you're over two-pack, you're really, really special. Then Gordon went into 15-16 season. He went to .6. And last year, when he became an all-star in the 16-17 season, he went to 1.6. And over the last 10 games, Donovan's 1.5. So that's the best pack Gordon ever had is what Donovan's done over the last 10 games. All right. That wraps us up. Long Friday edition. Hope you're good. Thanks for the therapy session. Talk to you soon. This is Locked On Jazz, part of Locked On Podcast Network. By the way, I'll do a play draft football this weekend if you want to do it with me. See ya.